do. Uh, we are on our part three of our stand series. We've been going through the book of Daniel, uh, not necessarily the whole book, but what we're doing is we're looking at Daniel's life and we're picking out some big components that I believe that we can take away concerning how to stand. Week one, we talked about how to stand out, and we looked at how Daniel chose to stand out by not eating the foods that were dedicated to the idols. Again, if you missed out on any of these, these sermons are recorded. You can go on therocknp.com and catch up on all previous sermons. Uh, week two, we talked about how to stand up, and we looked at how Daniel stood up to King Nebuchadnezzar in a very godly and honoring way. And today, we're talking about the idea of standing strong, standing strong. So if you brought your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn to Daniel 6. If you just brought a smartphone, uh, you can download the Bible app. You can turn in there, turn or press in there, however that works in the smart app way. Um, but we also have it in the worship guide notes on the screens behind me, so fear not, you can follow along that way. <clears throat> but the reason why we're going through this series is because I believe with, with all my heart that as people of God, if you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, there's going to be a time where you are going to have to choose to stand up for Christ, to stand out for Christ, to stand firm in Christ. To kind of put it in, in layman's terms, you are going to be called to stand at some point in your faith with Jesus Christ. You're going to be called to stand, but you have to make that choice but it takes a stand. We've been walking with Daniel in this series, and we started when he was about 13 years old, when he first taken captive to Babylon. Last week, we were with him and, uh, when he was about 50 years old, and today, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, and in this specific story, Daniel is about 80 years old. 80 years old. So please kind of put that in notes as we talk about this. And the story that we're going to look at today uh, I believe it's a really famous story. A lot of us have heard it. Maybe, you, uh, maybe you've grown up in church this morning. You probably remember the old flannel board. Anyone grew up with the flannel board growing up? I did. I was raised in a Baptist church and went on to Assembly of God Church. Um, in both churches, we had flannel graph boards, and uh, we had this very famous story called Daniel's in the, Daniel in the Lion's Den. Daniel in the lion's den. And she busted out the flannel graph board. And I just remember what the lions looked like. They were like these big, cute, big-eyed, cuddly kittens. And Daniel just had his hand, hand on them and maybe laying his head on another. And you can just imagine, you're like, man, that didn't seem so bad, really. I don't know what Daniel was complaining about. They look pretty cute to me. And so but I just remember that. But I, the reason I bring that up today is because I want to get that idea out of your head. I want to get that idea out of your head because in essence, I don't know if you guys have been around lions before, but they're not cute and they're not really cuddly. I mean, if you, have you ever seen a lion in the wild before? I haven't seen a mountain lion in a wild, but we have mountain lions around here, but I have seen a bobcat. How many of you guys seen a bobcat before in the wild? I was out hunting with my wife getting her, her first deer and I remember sitting there and I saw a tail twitch in the weeds about 20 yards in front of us and my father-in-law has a couple mountain lions on his land so I'm like, oh no, mountain lion is coming to get me. And so I'm like, so I looked at it, told my wife, my wife's freaking out, this is her first time hunting and if you know my wife, she's about yay tall, she's super short, the weeds are taller than she is, so she's like, I'm dead, you're going to leave me. And so she's freaking out, I'm freaking out, but I pull, I pull up the scope of my gun and I look through it and it was a bobcat. This bobcat, even though it's about as big as a house dog, bobcats are mean looking. Now, they do look cute in like National Geographic magazines and those things, but they are mean looking. Let me put it this way. How many of you guys have been attacked by a house cat before? <laughs> you know what a paper shredder feels like across your arm, right? Right? It is not. Imagine a bobcat doing that to your face. Not pretty. Imagine a mountain lion doing that to you. Even worse. 
Imagine an African lion. That's who we're talking about today. Not cute, not cuddly, ferocious, mean, man-eater, one of the top predators in the world. That is who we're talking about today. And while I talk about this story, I just wanted to get that picture out of of their head because I want to put some reality to what we're going to read this morning. Daniel chapter 6, starting at verse 1. We pick up where Daniel is about 80 years old, serving a new king called King Darius, who's really the third king of Babylon that Daniel is serving. And King Darius, he was just a little bit background who he is and why he was such a prominent king. He was like the, the king of all of administration, kind of lame thing to be a king of, right? But he was like super efficient. He was all about efficiency. So when he got into the, office, he just changed everything up. And in fact, what he did is he, he what he accomplished is that he had a, a hundred or so satraps, which is just a fancy name for people in charge of different areas of the kingdom to protect the system and policy of Babylon. And then King Darius th- chose three administrators, three administrators to oversee these satraps. And these three administrators' main job was to keep the satraps accountable. And Daniel, who we're talking about today, was one of these administrators. And the administrators would make sure the financial affairs of Babylon were in order, make sure that the state's checkbook was on balance. Can we just praise God that maybe that would happen to us a little bit? Might be nice. No? Okay. Keep going. But he was, it, was very, it was a very prominent and trusted position. And so I want to go ahead and read Daniel chapter 6, 1 through 3. And it's just going to explain kind of what I just said. But this is what it says. Follow along with me. It says this. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them were three high officials of whom Daniel was one. To whom these satraps gave account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became dis- distinguished above all other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was on him. How many guys would like to have an excellent spirit on you, right? In your workplace, wherever you may be, an excellent spirit. We're going to see how exactly how we do that. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So through this series, church, we've been walking with Daniel, and he started from a very low place. Uh, Babylon came over, took him as a slave, tried to brainwash him to oversee all Babylon stuff. And through story after story, we read about how Daniel has continued to walk in the Lord's favor. And because of that favor that was upon his life, he started going through the ranks. And here, right here, we see that he's got a very good promotion coming up. I mean, if we see this, if the king came to you and says, you know what, I'm going to put you second in command over everything. Like you are the VP of the kingdom of Babylon. That sounds like a good day, doesn't it? It's a big promotion. You are the vice president over everything. You start out for nothing and now you have everything. And to me, it sounds like a great payday. And it's all because Daniel has lived a life of integrity and doing what is right. And now it looks like he's up for a promotion of a lifetime being second to rule in the kingdom. But let me tell you a little something about promotions and being raised up in the ranks and having the Lord's favor. It looks like a great thing from the outside, but actually it can cause a lot of issues within. It's very great from the outside and it causes a lot of issues within. You see, there's two other administrators. Remember, uh, he had three administrators. The two other administrators got a little jealous, became a little jealous over the favor on Daniel's life. 
So much so that they're developing a plot, a plan, trying to discredit him from this position and hopefully lose his new job. And maybe King Darius would give it to one of them. And over the next few moments together this morning, church, we're going to see exactly how Daniel is going to stand strong through these attacks. And not only stand strong, but I believe he is going to stand strong with a supernatural strength that can only come from walking with God for a lifetime. Remember, he's 80 years old. And he had made a choice a while ago, I would guarantee about eight decades ago, making a choice how to serve God. So what I want today is just give you a few truths how to stand strong according to what we see in Daniel. The first truth is this. You can write down your worship guide notes is this. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. When God raises you up, you have to expect people to try to tear you down. We see this whenever someone experiences some sort of success, don't we? Whatever happens, there will be a group of haters that will try to ruin the joy when you have some favor on your life. There's going to be a group of people that as soon as they see success in your life, they're, you, it's just, it's, they're going to go after you and try to discredit you, try to tear you down, try to make you think it's not as good as you think it is, and they just want the worst for you. Have you guys ever experienced that in your life? It's like something good happens and no one else is like, oh, that's awesome. It's more like, oh, well, it means more work for you. All that money is going to fill you with pride. Oh, man, I don't think you need a better house. I mean, you were doing just fine. Who do you think you are living over on that street? Who do you think you are? Oh, you're Mr. High and Mighty now, aren't you? There'll always be a group of haters trying to come tear you down. We see this all the time. I, I love this part. I see it all the time during election season. For some reason, people donate money to whatever party they, they are a part of. I'm not talking about you know, who we are today, and I'm, I'm really not talking about politics at all. I hate that. But what I do want to talk about, it seems like the money is more spent on discredit their opponent than trying to tell the people what they can do for the country. Don't vote for this person because back in 1963, they did this. Don't do that. Don't do this. And it, it happens all the time. Whenever you experience success, expect people to tear you down. They're going to do everything that they can. When someone experiences success, there's going to be another group of people trying to tear you down. They have this mentality that if they can't have it, then you can't have it. If they can't get it, then you can't get it. There's even a ter- term in this called, it's called the crab syndrome. That's what the, our U.S. term is called, the crab syndrome. I don't know, we don't have a lot of crabs in our lakes around us, but if you were to catch a big mess of crabs and put them in a bucket and just watch them, you'll see the crabs begin to kind of move around and kind of shuffle around, and then you kind of see panic set in because they realize that they're trapped. And soon what happens is you'll see one crab that has a really big claw to reach the top of the bucket and pull himself up. And just about, he thinks that he's about to escape. You know what happens? The other crabs at the bottom pull him back down. Scientists have studied this and found out that the act of pulling the crab back down is an intentional act. If I can't get out, that crab ain't going to get out. And they pull him back down in their mess. It's true. Isn't it crazy how that works? And it's not just animals, but humans do it all the time. If you can't have it, then I can't have it. If I can't get it, then you can't get it. And the same goes for us, even as Christ followers, because there's going to be a time where God may bless you due to a lifetime of faithfulness. 
a lifetime of faithfulness. But here's the thing. The people that want to hate on you, they don't see all the stuff leading up to where you are now. Happens all the time. People in retirement, you have saved up all your earnings, everything for decades. And so when you want to buy a new car or upgrade in a house, people don't see that lifetime of savings and they're going to hate on you. Happens all the time. But those people who all of a sudden see your success, they're just going to get jealous and try to tear you down. And this is why we tell people, especially leaders, I tell my leaders this, uh, the, the, the leaders that raised me up told me this, is that when God raises you up, especially in a leadership, uh, leadership position, expect people to tear you down expect people. And it was kind of funny when I first had this happen, I was a youth pastor um, and uh, I was working on this, uh, this young man. I was mentoring him and discipling him and uh, things were going great. And he finally turned his life around. And it was like my first, like, uh, kind of like, oh man, I like, I did something <laughs> type, type deal. It was no longer like we're playing games, but like this guy really changed his life and God used me in an intricate way in his life. And it's awesome. And now he thinks he's called to ministry. I'm like, this is amazing. This is exactly what, what God wants. And all of a sudden, the next day I get a text message from his mother who is not a believer, starting to tear me down, saying, who do you think you are trying to, trying to turn my kid around? Who do you, I've been trying to, do, it, what makes things that you are having success right now in his life? Who do you think you are? I'm telling you, church, every time you think you're going to experience success, expect people to try to tear you down. Expect them. But here's the thing, don't let them. Yeah. Expect, that's a point maybe I should have put there. Expect them, but don't let them. Because yeah. it's going to happen. In Daniel's case, the two administrators are going to do something. Look at Daniel 6, 4 through 5. It says this, Then the high officials in the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to anything with the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because of this. Because of this. this underline this part in your scripture, in your Bible. Because he was faithful. Because he was faithful, no error or fault was found in him. These men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless, I love this part, unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. How amazing would it be for the people in, in your life that want to spread rumors about you, try to do harm against you, but they couldn't because they could not find any fault in you. And the only way they could tear you down if it was something with your walk with God. That's good. Because that means he had a lifetime of faithfulness. A lifetime of faithfulness. First of all, my prayer is that if anyone's going to try to tear me down, they would have the same issue with these people trying to tear Daniel down. We can't tear him down. We have to find something to hold against him. Nothing's credible. So I guess we're going to have to do something that will cause him to stand for his God. That's how you know you're doing your walk with Jesus right. They can't find any dirt on Daniel because he was so faithful. Please keep in mind, Daniel's not like a super holy man. He's just like a man just as, as you and I, but he has developed a lifestyle that was so committed to God, they can't find any evidence that can ruin Daniel and his success. And because of that, they're going to have to do something about Daniel's relationship with God. And so this is what they did. Check this out. The two administrators spent some, uh, spent some time with the king, and I don't know what they did, but they started sucking up to the king, maybe started complimenting him, I don't know. But all of a sudden, they convinced the king 
to make a new rule saying, hey, do you know what, King Darius? For the next 30 days, uh, no one can pray to anyone except for you. You should make that law. You know why? Because you're a good king. You're an awesome king. I don't know what they said. But they did something to convince King Darius. And here's the thing with leaders and kings. They are easily susceptible to pride. Leaders and kings. If you're a leader here this morning, including myself, you've got to watch your pride. Because when people try to butter you up, you can easily fall into that trap. And King Darius did. He fell right into that trap. Even though King Darius was not a god, it sounds like a good idea to be treated like one, right? No one here would argue with that. So you just want to, you know, spoil Pastor Vaughn for a day. I mean, if you guys want to have that holiday and make that, I mean, that's cool. You want to? But what I can see is that Daniel had three choices to make. Three choices when this happened. Choice number one, he could take a break from praying to God. And he could have done that with a decree and just worshipped the king. And then after 30 days, go back to his usual routine. Saying, you know what, uh, God, we've been tight for 80 years. Um, I'm going to take 30 days off. I'll be right back. Choice number two. Maybe this is a choice I think I probably would have made. And it, it, I would tell you it's the wrong choice. Choice number two is... Uh, fake it. I think we do that. Fake it. I mean, the time you're supposed to be praying to King Darius, just pray in your head, just, Lord, you can read my mind. I'm praying to you. And outside, it looks like I'm praying to King Darius, but inside, you know my heart, Lord. You know my good intentions. I'm praying to you. Or choice number three risk his life, and follow his usual routine with Jesus. And this is what I love about Daniel, because he doesn't do either of these. He chooses choice number three and risks his life. Quick question to ask yourself, what, what would have you done? Just kind of ask yourself that. Don't answer it out loud. Ask yourself, what would have you done? What choice would have you made? thing I love about Daniel is that he's an all-in type of guy. And I think this is where God is calling his church to, especially in the times that we are living now. He's calling his church to be all-in, an all-in type of church. I think for too long we have sat on the sidelines, we sat in the bleachers and just watched the A-team go out and play. And we're like, okay, we'll cheer you on, we'll cheer you on. Like, I'll wear the t-shirt, uh, I'll go to the booster club party, um, but as far as playing and getting dirty and doing those, uh, that's all you. I'll watch. And right now, I, I firmly believe it. Jesus is calling his people, says, you know what, I need you on my team. I need you on my team. Get out of the bleachers, put on the equipment, and get out there. That's where Jesus is calling us to. And that's exactly what Daniel did. He risked death and dove all in. Look at what he did. Daniel 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document has been signed, he knew what happened. The law has already been passed. People are already worshiping King Darius. But Daniel, when he knew the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had the windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, prayed and gave thanks before his God. Now, when we read that, we're like, okay, I think he's showboating a little bit. Like, like now he's wearing like his Jesus t-shirt out in public. And now people are really going to ridicule him. Like that's, no, 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 no. He's not boasting about his relationship with Jesus. 
Because I think Christians, we do that too a little bit, and that can turn people off. Why does he do this? Because he's done it previously. There's nothing new about this to Daniel. He's been doing this for a lifetime. For a lifetime, he's been getting down on his face, getting down on his knees, praying to God three times a day. I think there's a lesson we can learn from that. Highlight that last part because this leads me to my point too, and this is it. Second point, kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand. Kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand. If there's any point that you can take away today, that is that point. Kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand. I mean, how has Daniel been able to do this? That even the document has been assigned, the decree went out, Daniel kept with his routine, got down on his knees and prayed. Let me tell you, he was able to find strength to do that. It's because at some point in his life, church, he had to make a choice on how he was going to serve his God. He had to make that choice. This wasn't just a last-minute choice. This wasn't like, you know, if things do turn sour and things hit the fan, uh, then I will choose to stand up for my God. No, no. He made a choice back, back when things were good, when things were fine. He was in his tabernacle praying three times a day. He made that choice then, so he's able to do it now. Church, I think we need to do that. We got to make those preemptive choices. Make those preemptive lifestyle changes. He made a choice long before any of this happened. He made the choice of, you know, I'm going to pray and spend time with God as I start my day. I'm going to do it in the morning. Then when the afternoon comes around, I need some more God. And so, you know what? I'm going to pray some more. Then at the end of the day, I want to make sure I wrap up my day with God. So I'm going to pray right before I go to bed. So he'd done this for three times a day for the last 80 years. And he's been in this routine with God, doing this for years. And because he's been spending this much time with God, God has been speaking to Daniel. Here's another thing that's not in your notes. If you, if you can't hear God speak, it may be because you need to spend more time with him. I want to, because I know that can step on toes, but we have been in this lifestyle of fast food prayer. We go up to God's drive-thru, Lord, I need a number one with a large Coke and a medium fry. Uh, okay, here you go. Okay, thank you, God. I'm good to go till later when I need to come back to your drive-thru. No, you need to sit down and have dinner with God. You need to sit down and have conversation with God. Intentional time with God. Now, that sounds like super religious, I know, but from what I read in Scripture, New Testament and Old Testament, the great people of God made time with God a priority. What is your time with God like? What's it like? And because he's been spending time with God, God has been speaking to Daniel. And when the time came to stand strong and risk his life for doing what is right, it didn't take a lot for Daniel to do it. That's what I love about this. Because I think if that would have hit our front door, like, hey, uh, president made a new decree. Y'all can't go to church. Um, You can only worship the president right now. You can't worship your God. Uh, I think with the current state of our church, we probably would be freaking out. But Daniel has been in this lifestyle of praying and spending time with God that even when the decree went out, it didn't phase him. He went up to his upper chambers, opened the door to Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day just as he'd done previously before. He's been in this lifestyle of praying and seeking God in the good times and the bad. And this is why, church, I will tell you till I'm blue in the face that you cannot expect spiritual success if you just see God on Sundays. Yeah. 
I want to say that one more time. You cannot expect spiritual success if you just see God on Sundays. You must have a plan to spend time at God's feet. You must have a plan. I've heard it from all my other leadership trainings that if you don't have a plan, you're going to fail. You need to have a plan. You need to make the decision today and make a plan of where and when and what time you'll spend with God and keep at it. And when you do that, when the trials come, your first response to a crisis would be like that of Daniel's. You're going to run to God. He prayed. He didn't panic. That should be another point. Pray. Don't panic. Pray to God. In our culture, we have this totally around. I I think we panic first. We try to fix the issue on our own strength. And then, if all else fails, what's that saying? How does it go? If all else fails, then pray. If all else fails, I guess we just got to pray. Let me ask you, when in bad times come into our life, why do we wait to pray as the last resort? Why do we pray as the last resort? Let me, I mean, God is not like up there sitting on his throne and says, well, uh, you guys are in a big mess now because now all you have is me. Oh man, you guys better put on your seat belts and batten down the hatches because I'm your last hope. I don't know what's going to happen. Good luck with me. I think it's about time to turn that around where our first resort, when in bad times hit us, we hit our knees and we pray first. We pray first. Because it's an attitude and a behavior where God will give the supernatural strength to stand. Church, did you know we serve an almighty God? We serve an almighty God who literally spoke creation into existence. Open your Bibles, read Genesis. He spoke that out of his very word, life has to come into existence. We serve a God who delights in hearing our prayers, and he earnestly wants the best for us. The author of Matthew in the New Testament says, look at the animals around you. See how the birds of the air are taken care of. How much more does our God love you? Someone say amen this morning. That is the God that we serve. That is the God that loves us. That is the God that wants the best for you. So why do we treat him as the last resort? If anything, he is the only one that can change anything. That's what scripture says. He says, scripture says that all our effort is futile. Only the Lord can change what is happening. If that's the case, why do we wait to run to God? Why do we wait? Let us be more like Daniel And when trials come, we run to him first. We pray to God first. And let me tell you, when you do that, just as Daniel did, you will learn to lean and trust God and not in yourself. When you hit your knees and pray, your attitude changes and you see God differently. I mean, this is why really in the morning when we have worship on Sunday mornings, like if I'm ever not on stage, I'm down there, I find it very hard to worship in this posture. Ready? I find it hard to worship like this. And I'm not picking on those, you know, maybe you've been in the faith and, and for a couple of years, or maybe you don't know Jesus and you're just checking out for the first time. This is not about you. This is about people who have been in the faith for decades. I would say 80 years like Daniel. And we still come in the posture of Jesus Christ like this. My God is so big, I cannot help but just to raise my hands 
There are times where I come before God and I kneel. There are times where I come before God, especially in trials, my nose is touching the carpet. Not because I like the smell of dust bunnies and everything, but I know that my God deserves that. Because he is the only one that can change my situation. He's the only one that can do that. Well, pastor, I think you've got a, a pretty good life. I think you've got, you know, everything figured out. I don't. I have trials just like you. When my daughter was diagnosed with a fatal, uh, almost a fatal diagnosis, we had a life flight here. Do you know where I was at? Not in the doctor's office panicking. At the church praying. For nine months praying on my face for God to take care of my little daughter. Two days ago, I lost my best, one of my good friends to suicide. Great pastor of a great church, growing church, uh, considered like, a, a, I would say a mega church, but just a few thousand people, and it was just, it was crazy, and God was doing a great work, and all of a sudden, I get a call. He died. You know what I did instead of panicking? I prayed. I prayed. I was watching one of my Amazon shows. I was kind of just binging. I was getting ready for, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, sitting there watching TV. And instead of panicking, I got on my knees and I prayed. When trials hit, when life gets rough, don't panic. Pray. We sang about it in our last song. So let it go, oh my soul. It is well. The team want to come forward this morning. Church, when you do this, when you begin to rely on God's strength to help you through, you can trust God with the results. That's why we pray. Because we can trust God with the results. That's point number three. When you do what's right, when you do what's right, you can trust God with the results. You can always trust God with the results. Please notice I said results and not something else. Tune in here. We're not, I don't want you to check out it. Don't pack up yet. There's still plenty of service to go through. I want you to tune in here because this is probably the, well, I would say, uh, one of the biggest points today, and I want you to take it home and live this out. I wish I could stand up here and say, when you do what's right and when you pray, everything will be peachy. <laughs> I wish I can say that. I wish I can promise you that. I wish I can wish you rainbows and a pot of gold at the other end and unicorns, and it's just one just blissful relationship with God, but I can't because it doesn't work that way. Because we live in a reality of this, that when you stand up, when you stand out, when you stand strong, the ending may not be pretty. It may not be what you may think it should be. You see, Daniel stood out. He stood up, and now he's standing strong. King Darius made the decree, and the law was set, and the two administrators got Daniel. They convinced the king to make the law, and guess what? Daniel broke the law. He prayed, and he stood up, and he stood strong. And he prayed to his God. And we might think, like, oh, God came in, and whoo, like nothing happened. But guess what? They got him. King Darius took him in and he threw him in a pit with hungry lions. Daniel did what was right and he was still sentenced to death. 
I guess we can end on that happy note, right? But Daniel knew what we should all know. And it's this, that our God is always faithful. Our God is always faithful. For 80 years, God has been faithful to Daniel. And for 80 years, Daniel has always trusted God with the results. And even though right now it looks like it's the end for Daniel, Daniel is still trusting God with the results. He's still trusting God. And I believe that Daniel had this attitude that no matter what happens, my God is still good. Is your God still good in your trials? Is your God still good when someone's taken away from you? Is your God still good when the divorce paper is on the table? Is your God still good when you lose a child? Is your God still good when you lose your job and you get laid off from the railroad? Is your God still good? I would dare say yes. God is still good. It's such a radical way to live, and my prayer is that we would see this supernatural strength that God gave Daniel and knew that God wants that for you too. That supernatural strength that Daniel is having right now, you can have that strength too. That's available for you. And what I love about this story is, is we don't really know what happened in the, in the lion's den or how Daniel reacted. I mean, we don't know if he was super brave and didn't show fear. Or, I mean, he's fully human, so I mean, maybe he peed his pants in fear. He's human. I don't know what happened down there. But from what I can read, while Daniel was down there with the lions in the pit, King Darius was having trouble in his life. He was having trouble over Daniel because he truly cared for him and he couldn't eat food. He locked himself in his bedroom and just in a state of fear and panic for his friend. And so if you read scripture further, the next day came, scripture says that the king ran to the edge of the lion's den and yelled in the pit, Daniel, the God whom you serve continually, has he spared your life? The God that you continue to pray to, the, 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 the routine that I have seen you do for the last 80 years, the, the one that you open the doors and you're on your face and you're constantly praying and that fervently seeking Jesus, has that Jesus spared your life? You see, even the king knew how tight Daniel was with his God. And I think Daniel made one of the best victory speeches in Scripture. Look what he says says, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. They have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. And the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and check this out, church, and no kind of harm was found on him because he trusted in his God. Do you trust in your God this morning? I mean, do you really trust? I mean, not, not on the good days, not on the days you get promotions, not on the days where everything's going well, but when the days just suck. Do you trust your God? Is God still good? Is he still first in your life? For Daniel, 80 years knelt before and prayed, and for 80 years, God has been faithful. And let me tell you, if the story took a turn, and the lions ate him, guess what? God is still good. God is still good. For the two other administrators, it didn't turn out so well. 
The king called them forth, and I don't know if like the angel's arms got tired, like holding the mouth of the lion shut or something. I don't. But they got eaten. It didn't do so well. Let me say it this way. When it seems like your enemies are having success, God will bring vengeance. He'll turn the tables, but let him do it. He's God. Just go through the fiery trials. Be in that lion's den. Watch God be faithful in your life. Church, listen to me. If you are faithful to God, there's going to be a time where he will raise you up, but expect people to tear you down. God will give you strength to stand to do what is right. And when you do what is right, no matter what happens in the end, good or bad, you can always, 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 always trust God with the results. You can always trust him with the results. You don't have to fear. You don't have to fret. You can be human. You can be scared. But don't give in to the lie that, oh, it's ruined. Run to God first. Speak to God first. After all, he's the one that can change the results. Will you guys stand?